you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. You know, recently, in my current life, I've been experiencing a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And that's cool. It's expected. It's natural. And I'm always trying my best to become aware of what I'm feeling, of my emotions. And so whenever I'm experiencing a low, well, I obviously want to feel better. So I become conscious of it and I try to harness that energy and apply it to something positive for my life. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't get intrusive thoughts from time to time. Of course I do. I've got an ego, and it's still very much alive and present within me. And I believe ego is necessary, so long as we keep things balanced. I believe a healthy ego is a good thing. It can boost our self-confidence, our self-esteem, and it also helps us to confront and overcome our fears. But when it's unbalanced, that's when we can get into trouble. And so I'm not ashamed to admit that with everything that has been happening in my current personal life and with everything that I've read, researched, and know, I have had intrusive thoughts. The thought about baneful magic has crossed my mind. But I do want to state that it's two very different and separate things to one, think about that, and two, to act upon your thoughts, which I will admit has been very, very tempting. And so one of the first things that came to mind was baneful magic in the form of sympathetic magic. And what is sympathetic magic, you might be wondering? Well, to briefly sum it up, it's the belief that a person can be affected magically, so energetically and physically, by actions performed towards something that represents them. And so, by that definition, how many of you are thinking voodoo dolls? Ah, (laughs) exactly. Same intrusive thought I got. Especially because they're so easy to create. I mean, you really only need a few tissues. You can easily make a little person like that. You can begin by forming it in the shape of a star, right? You got the head, the arms, and the legs, and the core. And if you invite chaos into your space and you can harness that emotion of anger, frustration, and wrath, basically, well, then you've got the perfect ingredients to start. You can rip little pieces away each day, you know, little by little, or whenever those emotions begin to surge. Or you can stab it with needles and or staples, and or paper clips, or whatever sharp object you can find or that you have at reach. As long as you apply your energy, your emotions, and your intentions when you're doing it. (laughs) Not to give anyone ideas, but, you know, it is what it is, and I am not responsible for your guys' actions. But moving on, 
with that in mind, the topic of voodoo dolls, it inspired me to create today's episode regarding voodoo and hoodoo. Ah, you see? Perfect example of how you can transmute that energy and those intrusive thoughts into something more positive to your own personal life. And you can create something beautiful out of it that will hopefully help others in their own personal journey. But before we get started on today's theme, let's take a look at our astrological forecast. Alright, so at the release of this episode, the date is Friday, February 23rd, 2024. And currently, the sun is in Pisces. Okay, so when we look at astrology, one of the easiest ways for me to help remember and understand how all of these planets, signs, and houses interact with each other is to keep in mind that planets are what is happening, the signs are how it's happening, and the houses are where it's happening. So if we look at the sun, the sun is considered one of the planets. So you're going to want to ask yourself, what is happening with the sun? You see, the sun is the center of our solar system and it illuminates. So it's how our light shines, how we choose to project ourselves. This is how we are going to influence our friends, family, and society. It's our self-expression. And when we think about the sun, we consider it source energy. It's God, right? God is source energy. So in ancient Egypt, the god of the sun was Ra. The ancient Greeks named him Helios. The Romans named him Sol. And Christians know him as Christ. Well, Christ is the Son of God, S-O-N-S-U-N, Son of God. The Son has been the center of worship since ancient times. It's life, it's creation. And the Son naturally draws a lot of attention, which is why we usually tend to focus on our star sign when it comes to reading our horoscopes. But at the same time, It's no wonder why some of us don't really identify with our horoscope readings that go off based on the sun sign, because we should really be going off of our rising sign, in which the rising sign is the constellation that was coming up over the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. It's where the sky met the earth, and some would say that's when your soul entered your body. So basically what that means is it's the utmost indicator of who you are. It's your first impression. It's how you approach and go about your life. It deals with your appearance, your identity, and your physical body. But I am going off track, so back to the sun. The sun is how our light shines, how we choose to project ourselves. And today, the sun is in Pisces. And so the planets tell us what is happening. We're focusing on the sun, so the sun is illuminating. And the signs tell us how it's happening. It's happening through Pisces. So let's go over Pisces. It is the last of the zodiac signs, and it's represented by two fishes. And so because Pisces is the last of the zodiac signs, it is said to be the most mature of them all. And this is because they have knowledge and are aware of the entire cycle. They are aware of the whole breath of the universe, if you will. Since we're on the topic of cycles, hermetically speaking, it would be the principle, so the universal law 
of rhythm, right? That ebb and flow. So Pisceans, or the astrological sign of Pisces, are said to be very mature, unlike Aries, which is the most immature because it's the first of the zodiac signs. It's that baby stage. They are the babies, the crybabies, <laughs> which is why a lot of them like to have and throw little tantrums when they're not getting their way. You know, they, they have little fits. <laughs> anyway, I'm giving myself away. <laughs> Back to Pisces. Pisces is governed by Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion, of luck, abundance, prosperity. But it's also co-ruled by Neptune. In Greek mythology, that would be the equivalent of Poseidon the Greek god of the seas, right? It's associated with the collective unconscious. So dreams, fantasy, delusion. Neptune rules the seas of our subconscious selves. It's the planet of illusion and confusion. But ultimately, it can easily see and discover universal truths. Alright, so here's a little insight about Pisceans. They can come across, some of them, not all of them, can come across as pessimistic sometimes. And this is because their polarity is naturally negative. But aside from that, they are also very intuitive, very compassionate, and emotional. And this is because they are a water sign, which, again, is associated with emotions. In my experience, and this is solely based off all of the Pisceans that I've interacted with, <laughs> they like to live in their own little bubble, in their own fantasy world. And most of them like to seek ways to escape from this ordinary world. And that could be through dance, that could be through music, books, movies, and substances that alter your state of mind. They are very sensitive souls, but they're also very wise at the same time. And because they are compassionate people, they will usually put up with a lot more than they should. And because they are the final zodiac sign, their task is to find freedom from this material and physical world that has many, many limitations and connect with that intangible divine source. So the sun is in Pisces. The majority of us might feel a bit more dreamy. What I mean by that is that we are in that season of being in the cosmic wound, right? So that state of potentiality. We might be influenced into thinking about or daydreaming about all the things we want to accomplish or change or create. We are in that season of us being in those cosmic waters, right? So the ideas are starting, they're formulating. Also, perhaps you might experience more vivid dreams or you might get that sudden urge, that sudden need of wanting to connect with source, wanting to look more into or get in touch with your spirituality. All right, moving on to the moon. The moon reflects the sun's light, and it's the most changing indicator in the sky. 
it deals with our intuition, our emotions, and it's basically what makes us feel safe. And the moon is currently in the sign of Virgo. Virgo is an earth sign, and it's associated with being more grounded and more focused, particularly on the materialistic and the physical aspects of life. The sign of Virgo is very analytical, very logical, very clever. Their polarity is naturally negative, but if you ever meet a Virgo, they will tell you that they are not pessimistic, but rather realistic. Everything is calculated, and they are very strategic. And they are also ruled by the planet Mercury. Mercury is associated with how we think and how we communicate. It's the messenger. It's also associated to the Greek god Hermes, the messenger of Zeus. Some of the qualities that are attributed to Mercury and Hermes is that they are very clever and they're also opportunists. In fact, Hermes was said to be very skilled with his hands and was known to have made the first musical instrument, which happened to be a lyre. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled L-Y-R-E. Honestly, I don't think I've ever heard this instrument being played before today's episode, and when I googled it, it reminded me of a cross between a harp and a guitar. So being very skilled with their hands, again, dealing with that earth energy of the physical and material aspects of life. And the moon is currently in Virgo. Which, to simplify it, probably means we are going to be, or feel rather, we're going to feel the need to be more analytical, more critical, and more productive, logical and clever and useful to others. And well, the need for perfection will be strong as well. Now, the major planetary aspect of today is that the Virgo moon is in opposition with Mercury in Pisces. What? What does this mean? Okay, so this is when the celestial bodies in the sky begin to create and form a sacred geometry. Okay, don't let it overwhelm you. Let's just piece it together. Alright, so the Virgo moon is in opposition with Mercury in Pisces. All this means is that these planets are 180 degrees in opposition from each other. Whenever planetary aspects are in opposition, it basically means it creates a, a stressful situation. It's not the greatest alignment, but... It could be worse. Okay, and so here's why it's not the greatest. So the moon is how you feel. And because it's in Virgo, you're going to feel analytical or the need to be. But because Mercury, the planet of communication, it deals with how we think. And that's in Pisces. It's the sign of delusion, cloudiness, fantasy, dreams, etc., we will perhaps be influenced to want to be analytical about things, but because our mental clarity will be clouded, it could easily lead to us misinterpreting things. There might be a sense of delusion when it comes to us wanting to get to the truth and in the way that we think. And we might also be influenced into feeling and acting a little bit more superficial. So with that being said, let's just become aware of these planetary alignments and keep in mind that we may be influenced by those factors today. And so 
these, these celestial bodies will have an influence over you and or others that you come into contact with. And you know what? Easiest and best case scenario is that just have fun with it. You know, just people watch and observe. Well, for me anyway, that's, that's always fun. But alright, moving on to our topic of the day. Voodoo and hoodoo. And before we go any further with this topic, I do want to state that I have the utmost respect for this topic. And I also am not claiming to be an expert on this topic. I am simply sharing my findings and the research that I've come across with you guys. Okay, so with that being said, let's be honest with ourselves. What comes to mind when you hear the words voodoo and or hoodoo? Do you think of witchcraft? Dark forces? Voodoo dolls, maybe? Possession? Yeah, well, you know, that is understandable if you haven't done any research on it. It would be a huge misrepresentation and misunderstanding of those concepts. And, you know, if you're into movies, then you'd also be wise to know that Hollywood has a way of influencing us, and many times it feeds us misinformation. I would say a great majority of the time. And, you know, some people might even think that hoodoo and voodoo are the same thing. They might use those words interchangeably because they sound similar. But they certainly have two very different and separate definitions. In order to oversimplify these terms, voodoo is an actual religion, while hoodoo is not. They are both African American spiritual practices with key differences. Hoodoo, which is also known as root work, involves the use of herbs, roots, and other natural objects. And it is done for spiritual and medicinal purposes. A great majority of the time, it is used for protection, for luck, and love spells. And hoodoo, at its core, is an African-American tradition. It was actually created by enslaved people from various spiritual practices. They came together and they combined their spiritual practices and it helped them adapt to the lands that they found themselves in. And of course, ancestor veneration is very important here. You see, in hoodoo, although there is the belief in spirits, there are actually no specific gods and or god that you must follow. You are free to worship any gods, or not, that you want. And there's also no organized hierarchy. This doesn't mean that there aren't any specific rules. It just simply means that it doesn't have the specific structure that is often associated with religion. And unfortunately, both hoodoo and voodoo gained a negative reputation. And Hollywood, with movies like The Skeleton Key, didn't make this situation any better. Both hoodoo and voodoo, unfortunately, is oftentimes today still seen as evil, dark, and a harmful spiritual practice, when in reality, it's more concerned with healing and protection. And this is because of religious racism. It's because it's Black African that it's been demonized. That, and also the Haitian Revolution, played a large role. And we'll get into the story briefly, 
about the Haitian Revolution, but first I want to, I guess, clarify what voodoo is. Alright, and so voodoo is an actual religion. Sometimes it's spelled and or pronounced as voodoo, voodoo, and voodoo. As far as the pronunciation goes, I apologize sincerely if I butchered that. But it is thought to have originated in Haiti and have roots in the West African spiritual traditions. Alright, so Voodon actually means and translates to a spirit. It's that invisible, mysterious force. And as we can already suspect, it can intervene in human affairs. And I believe Voodon comes from the Fon language of West Africa. But here is where it can get a little bit complex once you begin to really dive into it, because you've got three types of voodoo. One, you have the West African voodoo. Two, you've got Haitian voodoo. And three, you've got Louisiana, New Orleans voodoo. Okay, so West African voodoo. It was brought to the Americas during the slave trade. But because the lands that the enslaved people were arriving to, the majority of those lands were colonized by the French and the Spanish, Catholicism was the main religion. And because they weren't allowed to practice their spiritual beliefs, they began to look at Catholicism and they took from it. You know, the ceremonial dresses, the, the use of religious artifacts, and the rich, ritualistic style of worship. So they began to disguise it and eventually transform it into a more Western style, into a more acceptable form of religion. And that became known as what we now know as the Louisiana New Orleans voodoo. And so if you're wondering why voodoo was more developed in New Orleans than in other parts or other states, that is because the French and the Spanish, the French particularly, colonized Louisiana and Basically, they were more tolerant of the faith of the enslaved people than, than were the British. That, and also because there's power in numbers. Because thousands of slaves were brought to Louisiana, the ratio of slave sellers and slaves were two to one. So you could imagine how difficult it was for them to try to suppress the voodoo faith. So instead, they just went with it. And so voodoo evolved as a blend of different cultures and Catholicism. And so they started using saints and holy water and the Lord's prayers in their ceremony as a way to hide voodoo in plain sight. And some say it was also because the enslaved people acknowledged, and it was a conscious choice because they acknowledged that there was power in the white ways. And another reason why it developed more so in New Orleans, Louisiana, than in any other parts of you know, the nation is because of the Haitian Revolution. They didn't want any part of that. Okay, so let's go over Haitian voodoo and the story of the role that voodoo played in the Haitian Revolution. Because it played a key role in their initiation of their liberation. Okay, so the Haitian Revolution began in the year 1791 and it ended in 1804. 
during those times, 60 to 70% were slaves from African-born parents. And of course, there existed conflicts between the slaves, the colonists, and the free people of color. And from what I've learned, the Haitian Revolution was actually inspired by the French Revolution because Paris had granted French citizenship to landowners, and that excluded some white people, which led to a civil war. So in Haiti, there was actually a call to band together to fight against the French. So bottom line, the free people of color and the enslaved Africans in Haiti got together in a voodoo ceremony in which they made a mystic pact with the spirits where they asked for guidance and protection to fight together for freedom. And during this ceremony and in this ritual, it is said that they called upon a warrior spirit known to some as the Black Madonna. And long story short, it worked because in 1804, they defeated the French and kicked them out. And of course, there are two perspectives to this. To the practitioners of voodoo, it is confirmation that their faith and their beliefs are very much real and that it works and that there is power in voodoo. It can offer you healing. It can offer you protection. To the Christians, however, who insist on demonizing voodoo, they can now invert those actions and those beliefs of the voodoo faith and claim that from that day on, Haiti is now cursed and possessed because they called upon this dark spirit. But again, unfortunately, that just has a lot to do with religious racism. I, I just think it's a bit hypocritical for Catholics to demonize voodoo. Because one, it has its ties to Catholicism. Voodoo is heavily influenced by Catholicism. And also voodoo dolls, right? Let, let's take a look at voodoo dolls, for example. Okay, I do have to state that I did not do in-depth research on voodoo dolls, but I do know that voodoo dolls themselves have their own particular origin story. But for the sake of this example, in comparison to Catholicism, we're going to take a look at it as what it is. And that is a form of imitative magic, also known as sympathetic magic. So my question is, why would Catholics and Christians demonize voodoo dolls when their main and primary symbol of their religious tradition is a crucifix with Jesus on it. It is literally a decaying corpse hung on a cross with nails into the palm of his hands and feet. You see, this is why I would get in trouble. And this is why I could never relate to my Catholic religious upbringing because I had questions like this and I've had issues with nuns where they just simply did not like me and I've had issues with priests where they simply did not like me and this is why I was kicked out of mass as well. <laughs> I just can't say 
that I've had a good experience <laughs> with Catholicism. And I tried. I mean, I really did try. <laughs> but anyway, as I've said, I didn't really do in-depth research into voodoo dolls. But maybe Jesus on the cross may have and or could have inspired the creation of voodoo dolls. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Alright, so in Haitian voodoo, contrary to what many others believe, you do have one supreme creator. You have one god. And then you have spirits. Not gods, but spirits that serve different dominions of the world. They are known as the Loa, and they are similar to saints in Catholicism. And you can pray to them, and they can help, because they work for God through God. Think of it this way. If you have an issue with a company, you don't contact the CEO directly. You go through customer service, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. But in the voodoo faith, many spirits are also married to one another. And, for example, the Black Madonna has both male and female lovers. And from what I've just recently learned is that she's also the matron of lesbians, which I thought was a pretty cool and interesting fact, especially for a faith that has a lot of Catholic influence. Another spirit, another Loa, who you may have heard of, or maybe not, is Papa Legba. He is the deity of communication, which I think is fitting to bring up today, especially as we just spoke previously about Mercury, the planet of communication, being in opposition with the moon. I just find it a bit synchronistic. But Papa Legba, a deity of communication, of spirit communication. He is known to open doors and have the ability to communicate with loved ones who have passed and other deities. He is the guardian of the crossroads. He can grant permission or deny to speak with the spirits. And he is believed to speak all human languages. People who have worked with him say that he is an intimidating fatherly figure. As far as appearances go, he is often described as having a red and black top hat and a cane that he uses to be at the crossroads in the in-between. He is tall and skinny and has a very skeletal-like frame. He is also said to have one foot here and one foot in the spirit realm. Interestingly enough, he is also known to be a trickster energy, very similar to Hermes, who was also the Greek god of communication. Although Papa Legba is known to be a mischievous Loa, he is also known to be a very powerful one and is also associated with change. You know, if you're ever feeling stuck, or if you find yourself at a crossroads, you can call on him and he can help out with a difficult situation. Very similar to Hecate, who is also keeper of the crossroads and is associated with keys and dogs. Hecate is known to have dominion over the heavens, the earth, and the underworld and she carries torches. And like Papa Legba, whenever you feel stuck or in that darkness in your life, 
you can ask her for help and guidance, and she will illuminate that path that you need to take. Papa Legba is also associated with the number three, and I have some theories as to why that may be. Three is the number of manifestation. One is simple because it's singular, it's the self. Two is the number of union. Think about it this way. It's a very simple way to put it into perspective. When a male and a female get together, they can procreate, making them now three. It's a number of creation, manifestation, and it's also the number of communication. In astrology, the third house is the house of communication. It falls under the sign of Gemini, an air sign that deals with, again, the intellect and communication. So if I had to take a wild guess as to why Papa Legba is associated with that number, it would be for that reason exactly, because it's the number of communication. But also, it's that in-between number, right? What I mean by that is, think about all things that come in threes. Mother, father, child. Father, son, Holy Spirit. Birth, life, death. Mind, body, spirit. The past, present, and future. The full moon, waxing, and waning phase. Right? Heaven, earth, hell. Sunrise, noon, sunset. The list can go on, but I'm pretty sure you guys get that picture. Alright, so back to Papa Legba. He is a loa of communication. And you know what? This just came into mind, but if you're going to attempt to begin and develop a relationship with any deity, then it might as well be a deity of communication to get your foot in the door, per se. I would say don't be afraid to ask for guidance. Don't be afraid to connect because there is so much more to our reality than we have been led to believe. And I would say that the best way to start developing that relationship with these deities is to do your own research on them. Whether that be Hermes, Hecate, or even Papa Legba. And if you're wondering, I'll get to the topic of closed practices in a second. But, you know, once you do start to research them, you'll come across symbols that are associated to them. And maybe you'll come across them throughout the day. And I believe that that is a sign from spirit that they are communicating back to you. For the most part, it will start out that way. And then as the relationship develops, you'll have your own personalized symbols that they will communicate with you by. But also keep in mind of the energy that you come with. And by that I mean, if you come with fear, if you approach these energies with fear, then most likely you are going to not have the best experience. It's an exchange of energy, right? So what you put out, you're going to get back. So I would strongly and highly suggest that you approach them with a sense of love instead, and open-mindedness, and respect, of course. And since we're on the topic of deities, I do want to state that I am of the belief that you can work with many different deities, and all throughout your life. Because I believe that different deities might approach us at different times of our lives and in different areas of our lives as we also continue to grow and evolve. Very similar to angels, right? They say that each of us has one angel that stays with us throughout our entire lives, but then we also have other angels that 
come and go as we need them in different areas and different times in our lives. Okay, well, moving on to closed practices and my thoughts on that. What are closed practices? Well, it's very similar to what that sounds like. It's the idea that not everyone can partake in certain rituals, in certain ceremonies, and in certain spiritual practices. So, are hoodoo and voodoo closed practices? When it comes to voodoo, I would say no, it's not a closed practice. Because voodoo is a religion. And if that's what you want to put your faith in, and that's what you want to believe in, then go for it. Voodoo was composed of different backgrounds of spiritual practices and Catholicism. As for hoodoo, many would say, yes, it is a closed practice. And here's the reasoning behind that. Because hoodoo is basically based off of the African people who have been or who were dispersed from their homeland only to later be enslaved. There are many people who believe it should only be practiced by black people. Hoodoo was basically practiced and developed to help protect and help heal them from their traumas of enslavement. And so many people who practice hoodoo use it for protection for when they travel, protection in their own home from physical violence, for luck in the matters of the legal field, and protection for when they are overlooked by the law. And so there are many practitioners of hoodoo, and also non-practitioners, who will openly say white people, for example, cannot practice hoodoo because they won't be able to call on the ancestors of oppressed black people to help them engage in black magical traditions. My thoughts. <laughs> Ugh, I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash for this. But I respectfully disagree. I respectfully disagree on the man-made concept of closed practices. Why? Because I believe that magical rituals and deities transcend those ideas. Even when people ask me, oh, do you think that people who are not Latino or of a Hispanic descent can they worship, can they engage in magical operations and or practice and or call upon the help of Santa Muerte? I say yes, go for it. If you strongly and deeply feel called to her, sure, why not? Let me explain. There are many different faces to these archetypes, but ultimately, they do the same job. Some great examples are some we've already mentioned. Papa Legba, the communicator. He might be considered the equivalent of the Greek god Hermes. We've talked about the sun god. The ancient Greeks knew him as Helios. The ancient Egyptians knew him as Ra. The Romans knew him as Sol. And the list goes on. What about Santa Muerte? She's death personified. In the Hindu religion, she's known as Kalima, Aphrodite, equivalent to Venus, etc. They are faces that we recognize. They are a character, an idea, 
that resonates with us. And I don't subscribe to the idea of close practices because I do believe that these energies transcend those man-made concepts. What if you resonate with a certain deity that is technically not in your current physical lineage, in your heritage? But what if you resonate with this different deity because of a past life? You know, speaking personally, I've always been very strongly drawn to the Arabic culture. And I don't know why or why that is, but even a few years ago, when I self-taught myself a little bit of Arabic, it was very easy for me. It came very naturally to me. I stopped practicing it, but for a while, when I got really into it, I was able to have a small conversation with you in Arabic, and I could even read it. And it was fascinating to my family and even myself, because I've never really been exposed to the Arabic culture in that sense, and have always felt that way since the age of five or seven. It was something that just immediately caught my attention whenever I heard it or briefly saw it on TV. And even before I had my, my spiritual awakening, I guess you could say, I considered changing my faith and my religion to Islam. So maybe in a past life I was Arabic. And as many of you know by now, I was raised a Catholic and went through all of the important rituals and ceremonies, but I never once resonated at all with the Virgin Mary, for example. And I tried. I really did try. Because my mother really believes in her. But I just genuinely never felt it. And I try to apply some logic to it and say that the reason I don't really relate to her is because I'm not a mother. And according to Carl Jung, she's considered a representation of the great mother archetype. She is a goddess of fertility and is the personification of earth, mother earth, nature. Some would say she is the equivalent to the Greek goddess Demeter, the goddess of fertility and agriculture, you know, mother to Persephone. But I can bet that if I really took a deep dive into Demeter, I would probably relate to her more than I do the Virgin Mary. All of that to say, I respectfully do not subscribe to the idea of closed practices. And of course, this episode would not be complete without mentioning the American voodoo queen, Marie Laveau. Okay, so firstly, I do have to state that Marie Laveau's accounts are difficult to pinpoint. And this is because, one, they vary. And two, most of them come from a racist perspective. But I will do my best to share with you my findings. Alright, well, it is said that she was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, and the year is basically unknown, but most speculate it was around 1801. And actually, even her date of death is actually a mystery. And nobody really knows this information because throughout her life, she had a daughter. And when this daughter grew up, she was identical to her mother. So it's speculated that even before Marie Laveau's death, her daughter basically took her place. And everyone continued on to believe that her daughter was Marie Laveau. But anyway, Marie Laveau was famous because she was known to have powers. So she would heal the sick, 
care for the poor and helped people by casting spells and have things work out in their favor. And she was very well known for this, as well as feared, respected, and loved that even politicians went to her for help. And so not only was she a spiritual healer, but she was also rumored to be a hairdresser. Being a hairdresser meant that she had a lot of people come to her and she knew a lot of secrets. So she had information on many people, which of course always comes in handy. Not only that, but she was also said to have a whole network of intelligence. So she knew maids, cooks, servants, etc., who provided her with a lot of information from people of power. And this was very important to her business because she knew how to manipulate, control, and work people. Now, I don't want you guys to think that I'm making her out to be a charlatan. I don't believe that she was. I believe she knew what she was doing. I'll give you an example of a story I heard regarding her. So this story involves a young boy who was accused, I forget what for, but then he was found innocent by a judge. The point being that this boy was found innocent because of Marie Laveau. So on the day that the judge was going to make his decision, he walked in and saw Peppers on his seat. He then looked up and saw Marie Laveau sitting behind the defendant. What do you think that implied? Exactly. So that day, this kid was found innocent. Was it due to Marie Laveau's spell? Was it through the power of suggestion? Or was it sympathetic magic? That's the beauty of magic, though. You cannot technically prove it. You know, I really enjoyed learning a little bit about her, because from what I've read, she was pretty fair. You know, she would charge these uptown ladies and politicians and people of power a hefty fine. But also at the same time, she helped out many people and provided services for free to those who really needed it, and she helped care for the sick. Marie Laveau, a pretty awesome lady, and definitely someone worth looking into. You know, this hour went by pretty fast, and before I sign off, I do want to give a couple, a couple of shout-outs to a few people. Firstly, I'd like to give a shout-out to Adam, who reached out to me through Instagram and I believe through the Mysteries Beyond website as well, and offered me a few kind words, and so I just want to say thank you so much for that, Adam. And you know, it came at the right time because there are moments where I don't feel as inspired, and when I read those comments and those kind words, it, it definitely helps uplift me, so thank you. And also, a huge shout out to LAX808 and to XGBJK, <laughs> who left me amazing reviews on Apple Podcast. I truly and sincerely appreciate that because it helps the podcast get more exposure. And it helps reach people who are open-minded and like us and on their spiritual journey. And speaking of shoutouts, wow, one just came in on Instagram as I'm recording this, so <laughs> how synchronistic is that? And another huge shout-out to IamSama00. <laughs> this is awesome, so thank you so much. It just came in at the right time. Thank you so much for your kind words. 
And I got to sign off now because I am running out of time. But if you need to reach me at, if you have any questions, any comments, or if there's any feedback, please go ahead and email me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on Instagram, same handle, lauralavender.mb. Don't forget to check out the website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. And thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast by listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I will see you guys next episode.